Well, good morning. Welcome to Emmaus Church. My name is Nathan. It's great to see you folks here. If you're joining us online, glad you're here. Grateful to be sharing this moment with you. If you'd like a Bible, raise your hand, or a notes card, raise your hand. If you would like to hand off contact information, there are cards at the doors. You're welcome to grab that. If you're online and you're new with us, I hope you'll email me and just introduce yourself. You can email me at nathan at emmauscommunity.org. That's E-M-M-A-U-S community.org. Nathan at Emmaus Community. It's important to um, get connected, and every Sunday it's both fun and kind of jarring. I'm seeing people that I haven't seen for so long, and, and I'm, 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 uh, it's, it's a blessing to see folks coming back and feeling more comfortable being here. Um, and, and then those of you who are at home, I, I, I don't want to lose track. I want to stay connected. So um, reach out today, add a comment in the chat bar online. And let us know that you're here. We reopened our first phase of our kids' ministry this morning. Our nursery and our toddlers' classes are open with a real short, like a one-to-two and a one-to-three ratio and a ton of cleaning happening. So thanks to those who have helped make that possible. Help get that word out. If that's been a hindrance in your being able to participate, we want to try to do what we can to address that. And we're grateful for those of you who have volunteered to be a part of that team. All right, well, welcome to Emmaus Church. Here's a new version of an old story. There's a man with a very short temper, and he went one morning to pray at the church, and he knelt down in front of a picture of Jesus, and he prayed, Lord, lead me not into temptation. And he stood up, and he went out. And as he's coming down the steps of the church, this kid skates by on a skateboard and has to swerve to miss him, and he almost knocks the guy over. And the short-tempered man looked up just in time to see the kid skate off and give him a gesture as he skated by. And then the man, he gave the gesture back, and he added some additional profanities. And he's like, from the steps of the church, chewing this kid out. And then all of a sudden, he was like disgusted with himself. Can you believe that? He goes, back in the church kneels down again in front of the picture of Jesus. He said, Lord, please lead me not into temptation. This time he made it about a block away from the church. He walked right into the middle of this big political rally. People are yelling slogans at each other. He starts with this group yelling at that group. Somebody ticks him off. He moves to this side. He starts yelling over here. He starts yelling at people going down the side of the street. All of a sudden, he's like, oh, my gosh, I've lost it again. And he goes back to the church. This time, he stands up in front of the picture of Jesus, and he shouts, Lord, lead me not into temptation. Next time, he makes it almost a mile away to his bus stop, and now he's late for work, and there's this huge crowd of people trying to get on the same bus. So he just goes ballistic. He starts throwing elbows, knocking little old ladies over, yelling at kids in strollers, stealing their sippy cups, reaches up to get to the doors of the bus, and it closes and it roars off. And he is livid. He's lost his ever-loving mind. He runs back to the church. He slams the doors open. He shouts from the back of the room, Lord, three times. I prayed three times. I said three times. Lead me not into temptation. And then a voice came from heaven saying, I tried. I tried three times. You blew it every time. <laughs> Today we're going to talk about temptation, which is a topic I think that brings feelings of frustration and failure to many of us. Many of us feel like we blew it every time. We blow it every time. 
When someone says temptation, at least in the context of the church, I imagine some of us think about a recent moment of weakness, about a time when we messed up. We have feelings of guilt, disappointment, or maybe just sort of an apathetic numbness because it just is such a lost cause for us. We just, it's just, we're, we just blow it every time. Of course, I can totally relate to these kinds of feelings, but listen, when I hear the word temptation, there's something inside me I get really, really interested It's a very compelling concept to me. It's a very interesting idea to me. The whole experience is so interesting. When you mention temptation, the discussion becomes more compelling. The whole temptation experience, it's a spiritual gold mine. There's so much to learn in this dynamic. If you're into personal growth, you, you should pay close attention to your temptations. If you want to grow closer to God, if you want to become spiritually strong, you should explore what is going on inside your heart and in your head when you're tempted. If you feel like you have good intentions, but you often get knocked off course, if you wrestle with compulsive behaviors, things that you just do over and over and over again, you can't figure out why it's got so much control over you. If you're tired of falling and failing in the same way over and over and over again and not experiencing any improvement, then I want to invite you to go into your closet, pull out your temptations into the light, let's lay them on the table, let's talk about it. Let's have an honest, real conversation about temptations. Is this a safe conversation? It's not really a safe conversation. But it's a really good conversation. It's a really important conversation because there are all kinds of practical opportunities for spiritual growth in this conversation. It's kind of like walking up to the edge of Half Dome. Has anybody ever hiked Half Dome up the backside of Half Dome with the cables and everything like that? It's just unforgettable, right? It's an all-day experience. And then you get to the edge of, you go up and then over the top of it, and then you come to the edge. And you are literally inches, inches away from a 4,000-foot drop, straight down. It's not safe, right? You're not in danger, but you're really close to danger, right? But you have a perspective from that point up there that is just unrivaled. You have a perspective on reality that is so raw and so powerful. It's kind of like your temptations. There's perspective here. If we dig into this. We can see stuff about ourselves that we're not going to see in any other place. It's not safe, but it's powerful and raw. So let's get into this. Jesus' disciples ask him to teach them to pray, and Jesus responds by giving them a prayer that invites us into a revolutionary relationship with God. Jesus' response to his disciples was, when you pray, say, our Father, which is a game changer. We're invited to relate to God as our Father just a game changer. And then Jesus teaches us to pray seven things, just seven things. The first three are things that we might say are more focused on God. May your name be glorified. May your kingdom come. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then the next four requests are more focused on our needs, our daily bread. Give, uh, forgive us our sins as we forgive others. Lead us not into temptation and deliver us from evil. So we just consider the, the few things that Jesus invites us to pray for ourselves. Our daily needs, forgiveness and forgiving others, and help navigating temptations and evil. 
Just a very few things. Here's my point. Temptation is one of the very few things that Jesus includes in this prayer that he teaches his disciples to pray. One of the very few things, which makes sense because temptation is such a common human experience. It's universal. We experience temptation all day long. However, we rarely talk about it. We, we rarely really wrestle with what's going on in our temptations, our personal temptations. Consequently, we're not well-trained to deal with our temptations. We remain remarkably vulnerable to our temptations. We're a lot like the short-tempered man in the silly story. We blow it all the time. So this morning I want to share just one idea which I believe and I truly hope could help us better navigate the temptations of our life. Just one idea. And here's the idea. Ready? Temptation is a byproduct of freedom. That's all it is. Temptation is a byproduct of freedom. In other words, when you're given the gift of freedom, temptation just kind of comes along with the package. It's just included in the package. So let's talk about this. And I hope that um, you will talk about this with others that you're with more and more specifically after church today. First, let's just look at this phrase for a second, lead us not into temptation. I think the way that the Lord's Prayer, this part of the Lord's Prayer rolls out in English is so unfortunate. <laughs> lead us not into temptation. It kind of sounds like God our Father wants to lead us into a bad thing and we're asking him not to lead us into a bad thing. It's the lead us not part. That feels confusing to me. It always has. The idea is more deliver us, save us. Sometimes this prayer is translated deliver us from our time of trial. It's the recognition of the danger of temptation wrapped up in a prayer for help. That's what this prayer is. Essentially, it's a prayer for help when we're facing a moral decision. We're asking for God's guidance and strength. We're asking for his deliverance. We're asking for his rescue in the face of destructive choices. Now, why are we asking for his guidance? Because the choice is real. That's why. The choice is a real choice. It's an actual choice. We have a choice. We need to make a choice. We're asking for God's direction in the choice because we're not robots. We're free agents. We can choose. Big idea is that temptation is a byproduct of freedom. In fact, the Greek word for temptation comes from the same root word as our word experiment which is something that you do to test something, something that you do to examine something. It comes from the same uh, root word as our word experience, which is personal knowledge of something. It's the same root. The word is pyra. We get the word experiment from it, experience from it, and temptation from it. So something's experimenting with something, experiencing something, and temp being tempted by something, all kind of related, very similar. They have something in common. Well, what do they have in common? They all come from the same root, the same core idea. What's the core idea? A trial. That's the core idea. There's a trial happening here. There's a test happening here. In an, in an experiment or in an experience, we are trying something. We are testing something out. Same as in a temptation. We're going to experiment with it. We're going to experience it. We're going to test it out. But there's, a, there's another layer with temptation. 
And that is that in addition to the thing being tested out, we are being tested. We are being tried. You follow me? The thing being tested or the thing being tried in temptation is me. So, imagine I've decided to skip dessert. Okay, just a personal decision. No dessert for me. Okay. And then I come home from work, and there's this beautiful piece of cinnamon apple pie on the table. Somebody's dropped it off from Apple Hill just for us. Say I've worked late, and my family's already eaten and had dessert. The food's put away, but they've left this beautiful piece of apple pie right in the middle of the table. Am I free to eat the apple pie? Yes, I am. I have the freedom to eat the apple pie. That's actually what it's been placed there for. It's like an invitation to eat it. And the pie isn't a bad thing in this case. But see, earlier I made a commitment not to have dessert, right? So we have a little pie dot with the pie happening here. We have a little pie trial. We have a little pie test, okay? And here's how this pie trial works out. I could, I could taste the pie. Right? I could just sample it, right? Just a bite. Right? I, could just, I could just taste it. I could experiment on it. I could just sort of sample and verify that it is, in fact, an apple pie, right? And it did come from Apple Hill, and that actually is cinnamon in there, which would lead me to a personal experience with the pie, personal experience. I could say, yeah, yep, I've tried it. I've experienced it. It's apple pie. It's delicious. I, I know because I've experienced it myself. I'm free to sample the apple pie, to experiment with it. I'm free to eat the whole piece, to experience it, same root word. The reason it's a trial, the reason it's a test, is not, and it's not just a test of the pie, the reason it's even a test of me, the reason it's a temptation is because earlier I said I'm not going to have dessert tonight. And so now, unfortunately, the piece of apple pie is wrapped up in this bigger moral dilemma that I'm having. You follow me? The temptation comes because I have the freedom to eat the pie or not. Okay? Temptation is simply a byproduct of my freedom. It's something that comes from my freedom. But here's the trick. Here's why temptations are at the core. Here's why temptations are trials. If I resist the temptation... I pass the trial, my freedom increases. I am more free. I am less controlled. This is why this is a trial. If instead I give in to temptation, I don't pass the trial, I don't pass the test, I actually walk away from the table with less freedom, having been more controlled, because the next time I come home and there's a piece of cinnamon apple pie on the table, I'm even more likely to eat it. doesn't matter what I said earlier in the day. I'm more likely to eat it because I've done it before. I have less freedom. Now that apple pie owns me, okay? It is controlling me. I say no dessert tonight. I mean no dessert tonight. I come home. There's dessert on the table. I'm powerless before it, right? Game over. I give in. I'm done. I have less freedom now than I did before. Some would say, no, you don't. You, you, you saw the apple pie. You did exactly what you wanted. That's total freedom. But it's not because earlier I said I didn't want to eat the apple pie. But then when faced with that thing that I actually didn't want, I lost, I lost control. I, I was powerless before it. I couldn't skip it. 
It's a silly example, right? It's just a silly example. I actually thought of it because pie sounds like pie. So I just thought, well, I'll just talk about apple pie. Um, but, but here's why the phrase, lead us not into temptation, can also be rendered as save us from this time of trial. Jesus is acknowledging the truth that people have freedom. We can try things. We can experience things. And because we know we can, we are tempted to try and experience things that we know we shouldn't. Friends, this is why you're more tempted when you're alone than when you're not alone. Because you're feeling your freedom. Nobody knows. You are totally free. You could do whatever you want. You could see whatever you want. You could look at whatever you want. You can eat whatever you want, drink whatever you want. You're free to do it. Temptation is a byproduct of our freedom. But it's tricky. It's tricksy, like Gollum's Ring and Lord of the Rings. It's tricksy, right? Because the more you give in to temptation, the more you succumb to the trials, the less free you actually become. Pretty soon, you can't say no to that. What do you mean you can't say no to that? Why not? Because you've lost your freedom. You're more controlled than you were before. You're not a slave to temptation. Temptation is just the shadow side of freedom. You're not a slave to temptation. You've become a slave, according to the Apostle Paul, to sin. To the experience of giving in to the temptation, of choosing somebody, choosing your own desires above the desires of the will of God. You're a slave. The video game owns you. It owns you, right? The pornography owns you. Gossiping about others when you sit down with that group of people, you're totally out of control. You know if you sit with those people, you're going to gossip because that's what you always do. You never give in. You always give in to the temptation. The bottle owns you. Gambling owns you. There's no freedom here anymore because you continue to give in to the temptation. You've lost your... You were once free in the face of those things, but then you experimented, and then you began to experience on a regular basis... The temptation was just a byproduct of your freedom. It just came with the package of being a free person. But then you gave in and you gave in and you gave in and you gave in so many times that you're not free anymore. Here's the good news. And it's good news and it's real. And it's this. You can be free again. You can be free again. This is what's so compelling to me, friends. This is why I'm so fascinated by this whole process. You can grow in your freedom. You can actually become strong in the face of temptation. You can just look at it and go, "Uh uh-uh. You can just become, you can grow in this. You can develop in this. You can better understand what is actually going on in your head and in your heart in the face of temptation. And you can learn to resist it. You can. You can learn to resist it and walk on by. This dynamic is a gold mine for insight on spiritual discovery. For most of us, however, it's become a minefield. It's just become a minefield, a place of all kinds of personal danger and destruction. But the story doesn't have to end there. The story can continue. You can be free. How can I be free? Here's how. Ready? Here's how. You just pass the next test. That's it. You just pass the next trial. That's where it starts. That's it. Just pass the next one. Just resist the next temptation. And then the one after that and the one after that. And don't, don't even worry about the future ones right now. Just the very next one. You pass that very next test. 
that very next trial, you say no and resist that very next temptation, you will be more free then than you were three minutes before. You will be more free. Control will have less of an influence on your life in that, in that way. If the short-tempered man would have resisted the temptation to give in to his anger for the kid who skated by him, if he would have passed that test, he would control, I mean, anger would have had less control over him. He probably would have walked right through that political rally and been fine. My son hasn't eaten sugar for two years. Two years. He didn't eat sugar for a day, and then he didn't eat sugar for two, wait, two days, and then three days, and then it was a week, and he thought, well, I'll go another week, and a month, and now it's been two years. <laughs> and now it's just simply not as tempting as it used to be. He doesn't even have a taste for it. Right? Plus, he's realizing he has way more freedom. He's not controlled by the apple pie that sits there on the, on the table, just calling to us, right? He's two years in, and in his freedom, he's chosen discipline, he's chosen strength, I'm so impressed with the two-year part. So impressed with it. But you know what's actually more impressive? That first time he said no to sugar. That's the real impressive call right there. That's the, that's the big win. That first, nope, right? That first decision, that first test, that first trial. That's the real win. His exercise of his freedom to say no, in his case, in this story, to sugar, which is a true story. That was, we might say, his first step into freedom in this regard. Now, when the family's there and we're all enjoying dessert, he doesn't even, he doesn't even seem to be bothered, right? Unless it's a really, really good dessert. <laughs> like on my birthday, Carmen made mud pie. It's delicious. I'm sure it was a little bit painful for him. But he didn't do it, right? Because he's, he's got a two-year bank of success on this issue, right? It's like he's not going to rewind that, right? You see how this just sort of cascades and builds in strength and more freedom, He's able to walk into situations and just be like, nope, nope, nope. He's learned how to do it. That's just impressive to me. This sermon, friends, is just a quick encouragement to pull temptations out of the closet into the light so we can stop blowing it so often and instead gain the power to pass the trial, gain the power to pass the test. The big idea of this sermon is that temptation is a byproduct of freedom. And what I'm hoping is this. That instead of fixating on temptation, we'll, we'll raise our vision beyond the temptation to freedom. And we'll be more attracted to the possibility that we could live in freedom than we are to the temptation itself. And that that attraction to being in free from all this stuff will give us the motivation to bypass that temptation, to, to deal with the temptation, to embrace a greater life of freedom. Let me end with just three pieces of really practical advice. Here's the first. Number one, don't be foolish and seek temptation. Okay, don't, don't be cocky. Don't be foolish. Be humble enough to realize that you don't want to play around with this kind of stuff. Okay, whether it's a temptation to despair and you know that this movie or this train of conversation is going to lead or a temptation with a chemical dependency or anything else. St. Benedict says, deal with temptation early while it is still young. Cast it far from your heart. The idea is before it gets sophisticated, before it matures, before it understands your patterns, knows when you go to work, when you're going to be home alone, before it learns you, get rid of that temptation. Fling it far from your heart, right? 
Remember uh, Karate Kid? Some of you guys my age, do you, do you, there's so many cool commercials right now because we've been watching the World Series. Um, there's so many commercials targeted at old 40-year-old guys. It's awesome. My kids are like, I don't get it. Here's another example. Karate Kid, nobody knows except old people. So remember the sand the floor thing? Sand the floor. Sand the floor. I love that, right? Here comes the temptation. You sand the floor. Like, this is the thing. We're <laughs> don't be cocky and walk into the fight, right? But understand that you can resist this, but you can resist it a whole lot better when it's young, not when it gets sophisticated. Don't wait. Don't be foolish. In other words, if the app is causing you to engage in destructive behavior, delete the app. Okay. Just delete the app. Now, just pull the phone out and delete the app. If the bottle in the cabinet at home is causing you to try to escape your pain in a way that is not going to help you tomorrow, it's temporary, when you go home from church today, just dump the bottle out. Get rid of it. It's only going to be more sophisticated tomorrow. Get rid of it. While it's, while it's young, just get rid of it. When I talk about how much we have to learn and discover about ourselves, about our longings, about our spirituality, through our experiences with temptation, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not trying to accidentally say we should flirt with our temptations. I'm not trying to say that. I mean that we should pay attention to what's happening in our souls. We should be watchful. We should be alert. We should talk to somebody about our temptations. Okay. In the moment of temptation, we need to be very aware. When tempted... If you're not able to immediately put it down, if you're not able to immediately flick it away, you are not in control. So you should stay away from that. There's several stories in the Bible where you should say you should flee. You should run. Okay? You, you don't face the agent if you're alone in the matrix. If you see an, an, an agent, you just run. Okay? Get away from it. Take evasive action. If going to that place leads you to making poor decisions, then stop going to that place. You gotta be relentless because your freedom's at stake. That's why. Because your freedom is at stake. So, number one, don't be foolish and seek temptation. Number two, don't be unrealistic and fail to prepare for temptation. Temptation is a byproduct of freedom, it comes in the package, it's going to find you. Temptation's gonna find you. So, you need to be prepared. Listen, temptation thrives in isolation. Temptation thrives in isolation. So know that and don't be alone. Don't be online late at night, alone. Don't let your kids take their phones to bed late at night, alone. Temptation withers in community. Know that. When you're struggling, get with others. Right? When you're grieving, circle up with the family. Right? Don't let yourself be alone. The worst thing you can do when you're struggling is to isolate, to pull away from others, which is exactly what so many people, especially in the church, do when they struggle. They isolate. It's tragic. Realize that you need others. Every nature documentary you've ever seen has taught you this, right? The predators, they seek the whatever, the gazelles. They isolate some poor, skinny little one-year-old gazelle, get him all alone, and then they attack him, right? That's how it always works. So prepare for temptation. Share your need or your temptation with somebody else. Ask them to hold you accountable. That means they can ask you questions about how it's going and you're committing to answer them honestly. One, don't be foolish and seek temptation. Two, don't be unrealistic and fail to prepare for temptation because it's coming. And three, don't doubt God's ability to keep you from falling into sin. Don't doubt God's ability. 
Remember, temptation isn't sin. Jesus was tempted in all ways, just as we are, and yet did not sin. And the Holy Spirit can keep us from falling into sin. Don't believe the lie that there's no way out of this temptation. Don't believe that. That's a lie from hell. Paul explicitly says this. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, let me read it to you. This is what Paul says. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, because you'll be tempted, God will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. So much we could say about temptation. So much. We're going to take this even deeper on Wednesday night at 645 in our catechism class here and online. 645 on Wednesday. We'll take it deeper. But this morning, my hope is simply this, friends. I want to knock you out of that familiar rut, that regular consistent temptation. You face it 19 times every day. You fall into sin about 16 of those times. I want to knock you out of that rut by reminding you that temptation is just a byproduct of your freedom. May you be free. May you choose freedom, and in your freedom, may you be strong. Amen? Amen.